This is the Six Figure Exit. We are two entrepreneurs sharing how we've shaped our lives and our businesses. Our purpose is to help you grow your business and personal excellence. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Six Figure Exit Podcast. Super pumped to be back with you again this week, episode three. And this week is going to be fun. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to build and how we build our teams uh, in our businesses. So super pumped to walk through that with you and uh, just appreciate you guys following along and listening to our show. And if you could share it, that would mean a lot to us. Someone that might get value out of it might appreciate it. So anyways, I'm here with my good friend, Carson. Carson, how are we doing this morning? Doing good. A little groggy this morning, but we're doing good. We showed up. So went to the we're, gym, got the here. workout done, we're and here. here we are. So yeah. how, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I, uh, I've been going since we went to the gym last Friday together. Um, I've been going every, started again. every single day and getting up at 430. my biceps getting bigger than his yeah. though. Yeah. I can't, like, uh, can't let those cannons get, get bigger than mine. Yep. But, uh, been going to the gym, been working a lot of hours, uh, at our, actually at our investment property here in Montemidae, trying to get it ready for hitting the market putting her up for sale. So that's been my week and, um, didn't make it to the gym this morning, was up late last night and Ooh, been, <laughs> that's not good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, just was, well, you were, you were there late putting tile in the bathroom. Yeah. I left my house or I left the house at like eight 45. Yeah. That's late. Eight 30. So I put day. again, I put in a good 12, 13 hours at the house yesterday and was up at 4.30. How do you, you do tile? I feel like that's one of those things that most people don't even like contemplate trying to do, but there you are doing it. Um, one thing I'm really good at, Carson, is figuring it out. That's okay. Uh, honestly, like that, that could be a whole podcast episode in itself. Like yeah. that is just one of what I think makes some of the best entrepreneurs is just that. Well, I got to figure it, it out. There's no, it out. yeah, there's no other options. You know, there's yeah. no other choice. No one's coming to save me. I'm just going to figure it out on my own. And honestly, I've always, I mean, I would attribute a lot of my skills to my father. He's been a great resource for me. Um, yeah, he's especially like in the trades. Yeah. Like anything construction related, he is my go-to. Um, always great, full of advice. And, uh, but also I'm not, I've never been afraid to start something and, and dive into something that I've never done. Um, and I would attribute that attribute a lot of like our success in business to that. It's just that's, being willing to try something. Yeah, I, I'd and, say that's most of it for people that didn't grow up in a specific industry. Right, and just figuring it out. But Learn as you go. Learn as you go. Just learn as you go. Yeah, learn through failure. When are, when are you going to have that thing ready to list? Uh, we got pictures on Tuesday. Ooh, oh. Timestamp. So Today's Friday. Yeah. We got you pictures got on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> After this, I'm, I'm going back to lay tile on the floor. Oh, <laughs> Um, but pictures are Tuesday, probably get her up on the market Thursday. So just shy of a week. Gonna, what are you going to list it for? $450,000. Wow. Look at that. Hopefully get more. It'd be nice. Yeah, we'll see. The market seems slow. We just it listed is. one the other day in Como, that house that we'd been flipping 434 yep. and they did a really nice job rehabbing it and we'll see what happens with that. But I don't know. I've heard, uh, just from a couple, well, Ford's parents own a closing company or whatever title company and just said closings have been slow. Yeah. It's that time of year, Thanksgiving to Christmas, New Year's, nobody wants to buy anything. They're just focused on the holidays and having a big old cup of eggnog. Well, that gives me a lot of hope. Thanks, Carson. <laughs> Good luck. 
<laughs> Anyways, back to the regular scheduled program. Yeah. Um, this week we're talking about building teams. Yeah. Something that's really important and something you need to be really good at if you want to, if you want to grow your business and grow um, your organization. So we just want to share some things that we've done, uh, share some insights, some failures, some wins that we've seen, and just kind of take a look at what it takes to build a team and how you can grow your business. So I think what really makes a good team um, thrive is a leader. I think you need to have at least one or multiple leaders at the, the head of that team and someone I think yeah you gotta have you gotta have one good leader to lead the whole team but depending on your size you gotta have I think everybody that you hire needs to be a leader um, in some form but you're not gonna grow your business you're not gonna grow your team if you do if you're not a good leader yourself so if you're a business owner you need to be working on yourself to improve yourself and push yourself to be a better person not just in business. You need to be a better person um, for your hu- or for your wife or for your husband or for your friends, um, your siblings, anyone. You need to be a great leader and continue to work on yourself. Well, and I think if you're going to be building big teams or you want to scale a company, people want to follow and work with somebody that's winning and getting better. Because if they see you winning and getting better, you know, not like egotistically, but like the growing the company and you're putting in the long hours, you're in the best physical shape you can be and you're just winning in every aspect of your life, they're like, well, that's someone I can aspire to be. I mean, they kind of look up to you in a sense. I mean, I've seen that with some of the younger kids that have come work with us. They look up to me. I don't know why, honestly, they look up to me. But Probably those big biceps. Yeah, that's probably it. But I think you just have to be, you got to be inspirational to an extent and you got to be a good person, good physical health, and you got to be putting in long hours at work, hard hours, and just doing the best you possibly can. So being the best version, yeah, being the best version of yourself, really. Yeah, you got to be the one that everyone can look to. um, And like Carson said, to inspire you got to inspire others to want more and grow. Well, if they see you winning, it shows hope that there's a chance for them to also win at the company. And, you know, if the company's growing, they see an opportunity to grow in the company, make more money, advance their career. If the company's stagnant, the leader isn't becoming the best version of them. They don't care to grow the company. They don't care to get better. But I mean, that doesn't show a good example of, well, what does my future at this company look like? There's not much, obviously. So it's going to be hard to build a team if you're not constantly growing. And I think that's what we see a lot of, especially in our industry, uh, the green industry, is there's just a lot of owner operators that are stagnant, don't care to necessarily grow or push themselves. They're good with, you know, making a few hundred grand a year uh, and just going to the bar after work or, you know, on Friday, living it up on the weekends and just, you know, not wow. really, not really pushing themselves to become the next level. And that's why I think we see a lot of turnover is they can't, people go there, they just feel like I'm going here to make money for the boss. And then there's no, right. there's no word next for me at this company. So they just move on to the next company. Yeah. Right. Kind of to that point, Carson, when you're trying to build a team, I think it's important to have like values and purpose behind what you're doing in place because, especially if you're looking to hire or bring on a, say you're a solo entrepreneur and you are trying to bring someone on, you need to have some sort of values or purpose in place. Um, even if you don't right now and you have employees start, it's never too late to start, put those values in place that just kind of represent who you are as a business, who you are as individuals and what you're really ultimately trying to do. It's not just about making the money. Um, you're trying to make a difference and you need to have your people bought into what you're trying to do with that company and really set clear expectations for 
what your what your goals are, what your purpose is as a business. Yeah, and I think people inherently have a purpose and values and you know core values, all of that. They just don't always do the best job of explaining that to their team member. Like, I mean, before you had the four core values sitting on your wall over here, Gavin, I'm sure you had those. You just didn't vocalize them necessarily. So people just got to do a better job of sharing that with their team. I mean, there's something you know in your heart that I feel like is just important to you as a person, as a leader, a business owner, just share that and make that known to everybody. And that's something that we went with like kind of the EOS model last year, which a big part of that is figuring out your core values, you know, identifying that and then the purpose of your company and then like three-year plans, 10-year plans, stuff like that. Um, and then when we would interview people and hire people, we'd hire based on those core values and the interview process would go on, you know, do you have these core values? Are you have a shared purpose or is this just another job for you? Are you just coming here to collect a paycheck and then leave? And if you hire on those core values, it's going to make everything down the road go so much better because... Um, the people that are there want to be there. They're working towards a common goal. And if you hire people that don't fit those core values, the camaraderie you have in the field, I mean, you guys know if you're in the field a lot with our industry um, and any business, quite frankly, there's, you get a group of guys or girls or whoever, just people together and they get good camaraderie. Everything goes so much better, whatever you're working on. I mean, it's just a smoother project. It's more fun. Um, so I think that's really important is everyone having the same core values when they're working together. Yeah. And I, to kind of give you an example, we have kind of four core values that we live by relationships, excellence, integrity, and reputation. Yeah. You didn't even have to read those off the wall. Good job. No, I got those things, uh, written on my heart, <laughs> uh, but we have those four words, those four values on our job trailer, decaled on our job trailer, decaled on our dump truck so that people see that and they know what we represent. And, uh, we actually, just finished up our last, well, not our last job, but the last job we were at, um, we had the homeowner comment on, you know, we've never really seen core values on someone's truck or someone's trailer. And they were really, uh, inspired by that and felt, felt good that they were, uh, working with us and choosing us to, to work with because they, they see what our values are and what our purpose is behind it, you know, aside from just making money and being a transaction to them. So, and another piece like to build off that, like all of that stuff's great. Having the core values there, branding, like you guys do a great job with branding, by the way. Thanks, buddy. But yeah, um, I got to work on that a little. Anyways, having those core values is great, but you really actually need to stick to them. And it's sometimes it's hard even for the owner of the company or the leader, you know, whatever your position is there. Sometimes it's hard to stick to those all the time, or there's certain situations that'll test you throughout the day and challenges that come up and you're kind of like, well, but Hold true to those. Don't waver from them, especially with hiring people. Because this industry, yeah. just the trades in general, is just hurting for people right now. Don't compromise your core values to bring on somebody because you need more help. Stick true to your core values. Don't waver from it. If the person doesn't fit, they're not going to help the company grow. It might put a Band-Aid on a you know flesh wound or whatever right. the saying is right now <laughs> to you know get a laborer in the field. But in the long run, it's not going to help. It's going to create more issues. And at the end of the day, it's just going to create more problems for you that you have to go fix. And it's not going to free up your time like you thought it would in the first place. So yeah. And don't, just, don't be afraid to, first of all, you need to hire on your core values, but also don't be afraid to fire based on your core values. If people are just slacking and they just can't seem to follow, you know, and represent what you are as a business, then they need to go. And if they can't stick true to what your values are, then it's time for them to move on. 
and it might honestly be better for them. And that's, yeah, it's, it's going to be better for the company and it's going to be better for them in the long run too. Um, but that was one of the things that, so when we started with the EOS, I don't know if you've started reading traction yet. You took the book the other day, but I'm reading Ed Milet's book right now. Oh, the power of one more. That's a, I haven't read that. Is it good? I like it. Yeah, it's good. It's, I would say it's very motivating and and a great way to just kind of look and reflect on your life and how you can do essentially how you can be a better leader, honestly. So I would recommend that book for anyone that is trying to lead. Yeah, I'm almost done with it. Okay. I'd like to read it. Anyways, a little sidetrack there, but when we started with the EOS path and like putting core values out there and we had, you know, boards made, we put them in our shop and everything and made this like pretty evident. We put on our website and kind of like brought this out to the company at the time. There was a lot of people that didn't necessarily care. And that was a really clear identifier to us that they just didn't care about learning the core values or talking about them. It just, it kind of immediately started to identify some of the weak players in the company because it just wasn't a care to them. You could tell they were there for a paycheck. And some of this is like evident before, but this really exposes it. You can see the people that got behind the fact that we were trying to put core values and a purpose in place. There's a group of people that uh, got behind it. And there was kind of some people that just didn't really care. It just didn't matter to them. And that right away was a point where we just started letting some well, of I those think people go. You probably were seeing some pushback from that because you honest, you didn't have that in place. You didn't hire them based on your core values. Exactly. And that, and that's what it was. It, it was something we brought in, you know, mid season. I think right. it was like June or July that we started to really like push this stuff. And those people had got there earlier in the year. And what it was is you could tell like, once you put these core values in place and trying to get people like actively to talk about it, think about it and add it into their daily base, like we're like you have integrity as one of them. You're on the job site and you know, you're laying a base block and it's not quite level. Like, do you leave it or do you, you know, fix it and keep more? I mean, what to be right. Was, yep. It isn't easy to follow the core values all the time. And that's what we saw was the people that were just, I'm going to say lazy almost, we weeded them out right away because they were not following them. And so it's helpful. Yeah, for sure. And I think getting to like hiring somebody and taking people on, it's important that you do when you're trying to build that team up, when you're trying to grow as a business, it's important that you do put systems and processes in place aside from, you know, your core values and your purpose. You need to have, you know, daily tasks or weekly tasks or things that they need to do um, on the job or in their bris- or in their position, they need to have a clear map on how their day looks in order to, for them to grow. Um, and that ultimately comes back to the leaders within the company. So building out your systems, building out your processes is a, is a super huge, crucial thing in order to streamline your business and help with trying to grow people and helping grow your team. So, um, and that's something that I think I learned on the path of entrepreneurship. I didn't have that. Um, I, most people starting don't. out. Yeah. I mean, it's like, just freaking go out there and work. Yeah, <laughs> just figure it out. Go make some yeah. money. Uh, but now, you know, being in business here for the last five years, it's been like, okay, what does it actually take to run a business? What does it take to grow a business? And a big part of that is building a team out and, you need to have systems, processes in place to make the lives of your employees so much easier than you. I mean, you just need to make it so easy that you think it's just stupid. And I think that's kind of the process of just like naturally the evolution of um, somebody that starts a company to growing a company is you start kind of learning how to do it. You figure it out, you hustle, you get the work, and then you get so much work, you get overwhelmed with it. Now you need to start hiring people. 
but everything's up in your head currently. It's not, none of it's on paper. So the next guy you hire, you have to teach them everything. And if, you know, they end up leaving or something happens, now you're reteaching the next guy the same thing. And so one of the big things for us in that whole process was starting to document everything that's in my head, put it on paper or put it in video. Video is probably the best, honestly, because it's yeah. easy to just have somebody watch it instead of read it. But start documenting the processes. And I know Traction and EOS talks about this a lot. Is just document. If you die tomorrow, like, does somebody know what they need to do to like take over your role? Odds are probably not. I know for me, like we'd be screwed. Yeah. So yeah. same here. I'm not nearly as Yeah, we're no, we're no experts on building teams, but this is just some things that we've learned and shared, uh, what we want to share with you guys that we've done and um, hopefully help you grow as we grow together. So yeah, I think so building the systems and processes as you grow, starting to take all that stuff that's worked for you, that's in your head, putting it on paper, putting it on video, trying to get it into a platform that's easy to show people or everything, you know, like, I mean, even a simple one is like the passwords for like your bank account, like QuickBooks, like have that somewhere where if right. something happens to you, like somebody else, your accountant or, you know, somebody can get in and yeah. like kind of help with your business. So it doesn't just like fall apart right away. Yeah. So it's, it's not just you as a business owner, you need to have stuff lined up so that people can take care of other things in your business. And it's, it's hard to let things go, especially starting out. I think it's hard to delegate and be, I mean, it's your baby. It's hard to let things go. And I certainly had that issue, still have issues with that sometimes where it's like, it's hard to I've trust gotten a lot better about it, but do it. I think a big part of it has been putting the right people in place. And we've had, we've been super lucky, I would say throughout owning this business of having good people, good leaders, um, that I can rely on to get the job done effectively and, you know, up to our standards and up to our values. Um, so I've just been really grateful for that. Um, but I would say another thing too, like when you're building out a team, you need to kind of take a step back and you need to sacrifice, uh, whether it's, financial setback or you're like adding a, a team member, you got to take time away from what you could be doing productively to help them grow and help them grow in their position. So taking some time to help them develop themselves in your organization um, takes time. It's not going to be, you know, they're not going to, you're not going to show them once and they're going to know everything about what you want to have done. Um, so take the time to, develop them, help them grow. And with that, since you're taking more time, you're going to be putting more money out just to help them fit into your position that you need to fill. Um, so just have that expectation that you need to sacrifice some time and some money to get the right people on board and in place. So, And that's kind of the thing we started doing a lot of last year was hiring people and trying to um, spend time with them, training them on how to be the best at the role they're in. But the problem that I ran into a lot was I didn't have my systems and processes where they should be in order to start doing that. So then it became, everyone was still asking me like what to do because there wasn't a clear like system or a process for doing this. So you're trying to still do the things you normally do and now you're adding on top of it, training somebody as well. So that's why I think it's super important to have the systems and processes started and get some of that stuff going before you start hiring people. Cause if you start hiring people first, now they're just calling you every five minutes, which, you know, I get this all the time. <laughs> still, I'm still not where we should be with yeah. our systems and processes. That's probably one of the things that we struggle at most is just having 
the same process. And a big part of it for, for us is the landscaping side we've done for a really long time. The excavating side, we're a little bit newer at. So we're still learning as we go too. We don't have anybody that's, I mean, I've probably been doing the excavating here the longest in our company and four years, five years, we've built yeah. a couple of roads, dug, you know, I don't know, a handful of basements or whatever. I mean, quite a few, but that, that's pretty simple. But still having the same process for each one, I mean, it just, it's hard to figure out that process until you know exactly what you're doing. And it's hard to know what you're doing until you have a bunch of experience doing it. Right. So part of it's just the, I'll figure it out, learn along the way and then start documenting, okay, well th this worked really well on this project. How do we, you know, is that the right way to do it? And can we use it on every other project and starting to identify the best way to do things as you go? Right. Another, here's a fun analogy for you. Um, it's kind of like a GPS, I think, or a map, like, we need to build a GPS or a map essentially for our team. Um, Cause like if you were driving somewhere that was four or five hours away, you'd never been there before and you didn't have GPS, you didn't have a map. How would you get there? Um, road signs. Yeah. That's a, that's a good analogy. I mean, you gotta, you gotta have like, something. You need to have like, if I were going somewhere four or five hours away, didn't know how to get there, never been there before. I would need a map, a roadmap, how to get there, a GPS, how can I get there? That's what we need to build for our teams and for our employees so that they know how to get there and they can be effective. The, the biggest thing with that, though, is you have to get there first. And that's the point that I feel like a lot of people are at. Like, that's kind right. of the point we're at with a lot of stuff is yeah. we're kind of like, okay, we're not quite there yet. So we need to get there before we can tell somebody else how to get there. So it's kind of like a chicken and the egg thing. Like, which one do you do first? But I think as you're going, you don't get all the way there. And then you look back and go, okay, where did I take the first turn at? And you're like, <laughs> no, document yeah. it along the way. And it's going to change. It's going to evolve. Like, as you go, like I was talking in, I think one of the reels or maybe it was one of the other podcasts, like our contracts that we have are kind of always changing and evolving because as we do things, we learn like, hey, this was an issue on this project. If we put it in the contract, it'd be a clear expectation now for the client that we're not doing this or we are doing this. And so we just added it to the contract, but we're right. always changing little bits and pieces as we go to constantly make things better. Yeah. I think that's, it's always going to be changing things. And I would say when you're building out your purposes or excuse me, when you're building out your systems, your processes, you need to have and not be afraid to just start, you know, you probably have that idea in your head that, you know, I don't have any systems and processes in place and I don't even know where to begin. Um, the first step is to just start, start where, I mean, even if it's wrong, he's just got to start and do something to help. Um, even if you don't have a team or anyone on your, uh, payroll, you need to start somewhere and put some sort of system or process in place to help make your life easier or someone you bring on's, uh, life easier. So, so here's, here's a really good like real world example of that too, for a good place to start. Like one is obviously just like a go in Google docs, create a word doc and start writing out what you do on a daily basis or a certain step of like, okay, I need to run payroll and QuickBooks. This is how you do it. Like write it all out. And this is like how you guys do it. Um, so if you hire an office admin that wants to run payroll, it's all right there for him. Level two of that, even better than writing it out, which I've started doing with some things is there's this app called Loom where it'll like screen record your page and then it'll also video you through your like webcam or whatever. And then you can talk, you know, to the computer as you do something and explain how you're doing it. It'll screen record and then it creates a video and then it'll save it to wherever. And then you can have a set of videos for say an office admin, which seems to be like one of the first like 
kind of main things besides, you know, field work and extra labor and service tech that people start to hire for. Um, but just your general office admin things, that's a great way to just document how do you do that? How do you do payroll? How do you do some of your bookkeeping? What's your system for, you know, CRM or using like Jobber, LMN, something like that? How do you uh, onboard new clients? Just start documenting that. Video is probably the best way to do it. Loom's a great one if it's computer-based stuff. And put those all in a Google folder where, okay, we hire somebody, here's 10 videos on how we run, you know, our office administrative side of things. Watch, watch those so you don't have to sit there and spend, you know, two days training somebody. They can watch all the videos and go through it and then go from there. Oh, yeah, that's a great example. I love that. We actually use that for sales too. We're not as much as we should, but we'll go through a proposal or I'll create a proposal for something and then I'll do a loom on it. And Chris actually told me all this. Yeah. So I, shout, actually shout do, I actually started doing that too after I heard you, you talking about it. Yeah. It's honestly, it's like a total hack instead of like sending the proposal, waiting, waiting for them the, to go through it, yeah, see if they like have questions, calling them. We yeah. just go through the proposal on loom and then walk through everything, make like a 10, 20 minute video of explaining like, Hey, here's the landscape edging. It's going to be this material. You can open up another tab and, you know, just record what it's going to look like or show pictures and really break down your quotes and then send it to them. And they've got a video of you basically giving a 10 minute presentation on a proposal all from your computer. You didn't have to go meet them. They didn't have to come in, makes life super simple and it provides a higher level of value. So there's two good hacks for you guys. <laughs> Take that to the bank. Take that to the bank. <laughs> um, and then another great thing that uh, you're going to need as a leader and as you build up a team is you're going to need some freaking patience, my my people. It's going to be one of those things that uh, you got to wow, be really good patience. at. Yeah, because you got to understand that these people that you're bringing on, they may not have any zero experience and uh, you need to know that they are going to make mistakes and they're going to, maybe screw things up, ruin equipment, or uh, do something that really is not going to be good for your business. But you need to understand that this is part of growth and it's part of actually helping them develop as individuals, helping them develop as professionals. Um, they need to go through the mistakes. And just like you, if you're running a business, you went through mistakes, you're still going through mistakes. And I guarantee that um, you're patient with yourself. I'm sure you probably have some choice words for yourself. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, certainly. You need to know that um, patience with your team is going to help them be effective. And if you're just pissed off and screaming at them because they made a mistake, uh, guess what? They're not going to want to stay because nobody wants to work for uh, someone that is disrespectful to them. And so understanding that you need to be patient with your new people as you bring them on and as you build them into being hopefully lifelong employees. That's the goal. There's going to be a lot of broken shovels, a lot of damaged <laughs> equipment along the way. Yeah. That's just what happens. Yeah. But I think the others speak to the other side of that too, being patient with how you teach them, but also realizing it's been three months. This guy's broke 47 shovels and is not getting it and shows up late every day. Like, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's mean, a balance there's, of just obviously sure. like this guy's not working out and needs to go. So. Yeah, and that, I, that would go back to core values. If they're not, I mean, if they're being just ruthless with equipment, being ruthless with, you know, their time disrespectful by showing up late, um, obviously they're not really following your core values. I hope that your core values don't follow broken equipment and <laughs> showing up late. Um, so that would mean you need to come back and you need to let them go and help them move on to something else because they're not following along with what you are trying to do as a business and what you value. And that's, yeah, hiring and firing on core value. Like honestly, pick the core values 
and when you pick your core values, I mean, think about what's important to you, obviously, but as you build the company, these are things you're going to hire and fire on. And if you just stick to those, you're going to find such better people, you probably find less people, quite frankly, because there's not that many that are going to adhere to your core values and fit in. Um, but they're going to be much better people. And I know we right. talked about this in the a other and B podcast. players. Yep. Yeah. It just, we've weaned down our company a lot in the last couple of years and we've got the best team that we've ever had. They're all a players in my opinion. And, uh, everyone's just happier. They're happier to be here. They want to go to work and it's just a better camaraderie out there and it's more enjoyable. So, and at the end of the day, we're going to make more money and we do make more money because everyone's getting stuff done. They're happy to be here. They're not disgruntled throwing stuff and upset. So, yeah. So those are, I, I would say some of those are just great ways to st- strategically build out a team. And I think there's also, once you start developing and taking on more people and starting to grow your business. I think it's important that you, uh, once you acquire those people, you need to make sure that they're going to stick with you in the long term. And that's, that's really another big struggle too, aside from just getting people on board and hiring them. It's really hard and difficult to keep them on board and keep them invested into what you're trying to do. And um, there's always someone else that could be paying them more or, I mean, you're not the only business out there. So you need to understand that once you get them, you need to keep them. And so one of the greatest things I think you can do as a leader and as a business owner is to really set and sell the biggest vision you can for them and really continue to drill that into them and help them um, really see themselves in that vision, help them like grow into that vision that you have for the business and for them and give them a path to get there with you. Yeah. I think you really have to have a big vision for the company. And I mean, you know, realistic to the sense that if you don't want to achieve that vision or that's not your desire, then don't, you know, set that vision just to mislead them and thinking there's great opportunity here. But I mean, set a vision that you want to achieve. Like for us, we've got, you know, again, that EOS model I think is great for all this. And I'm a big Uh, advocate for that just because of the way it's set up, core values, purpose, you know, three-year goals, 10-year goals, you know, what does your revenue in the company look like? And when you share that with everybody, they start seeing like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. You know, we've got a $10 million revenue in the next three years goal or whatever it is, right? And then this is what it looks like. It looks like having this many crews. It looks like having this many project managers and it looks like having, you know, this much equipment or whatever that looks like, write it all out because then people can sit there and visualize, oh, we need two project managers to get to that point. We don't have any project managers besides the owner. So that's two open positions that somebody- Maybe I can work up to to be that project manager. Create a path and a goal for everybody to work towards so there's a long-term play and people can see themselves being at that company longer. I think that's a huge part of it is just having somewhere to go. That's the biggest thing I've seen with people uh, that have come through our company. It just, they, they stay because they see the bigger picture and they know that, you know, a lot of it is people getting in the trades that don't have a college education. They were- more times than not, when they told the counselor they aren't going to college, they were probably like, you know, in a roundabout way, you're an idiot. I'm college ed- educated. Are you, Carson? <laughs> I'm barely high school educated. <laughs> and uh, for those of you that are new to the show, I was get educated in college for one semester. Three months. <laughs> so. But it's difficult sometimes to see because I mean, just the stigma of going into the trades, which is where we're from. And it, you know, it doesn't even apply to that necessarily just entrepreneurship in general is 
kind of frowned upon by school. So it's hard. I mean, you're kind of the black sheep when you leave school, you know, as you come out of high school, if that's, or come even coming out of college, whatever it is, it's just not the conventional way to do it. So it's difficult. So set a vision and then work towards it. Yeah, absolutely. And you need to, when you're bringing out people, you need to really make sure that your expectations are clear for them. Um, so that they are able to be effective and productive in their role. So like you really need to map out what their tasks are daily um, and what you expect for them, you know, how to, how they're going to perform. You need to set like even measurable expectations. KPIs. KPIs. You need to put those in place, put those in place so that they can understand where they need to be and you can understand where they need to be and you can affect uh, essentially uh, report on them and see how they're doing and, and really understand how they're, how they're going to be effective in your organization. So, and I, I don't know about you, Gavin, but this, a lot of times, I mean, is in the form of like, you know, monthly reviews or quarterly reviews with employees. And, you know, when you hire them, set these expectations from the start, but then also seeing like checking in, you know, two week reviews, Hey, how have you been doing? You know, what have you been hitting these KPIs? You know, what are the next set of KPIs to keep moving in the company and keep moving you up and growing? Honestly, for me, this is like some of the harder conversations to have because yep. sometimes you need to have the real conversations of like, you're just not performing in this area. And I feel like a lot of people avoid those conversations because they're difficult, but they're very, very necessary conversations. I know I'm guilty of that all the time. I'm terrible at it. I'm not good at having like difficult conversations with employees because I want everyone to like feel welcome and happy and everything else. But at the end of the day, if they're not achieving what they should be achieving, you're doing them a disservice and the company a major disservice because you're not setting a clear expectation with them. Yeah, right. And a lot of times those hard conversations, Carson, I think are really as hard as they may be to to just take initiative to do them. I would say 10 times out of 10, they're going to be good. That's a good they're going to be record. good for you. Well, honestly, <laughs> I think every time I've had a hard conversation it I've always been, ends I've been better. pushing it, it off. I've been yeah. pushing it off. And I have that hard conversation. I'm like, oh, boy, I'm glad I had that conversation. And you both come out That's of it with a, yeah, a good expectation of, okay, well, yep. this is where I need to work to go here. And maybe this is where the company needs to work on something in order for them to be happier or whatever. Or maybe you just realize both in that conversation that, hey, this isn't going to work. Like, you're not a good fit here. And you both come to that conclusion and right. it saves you trouble down the road, probably. Yeah, it so. saves you time, saves you money if you're able to narrow down that they're not a good fit for your organization and they can move on earlier because you had those conversations, you, you set those expectations. And then I think, and that's communication is huge, especially when you're trying to keep, keep people on your team and helping um, grow your business and your team is just making sure that you're really trying to have as many meetings. And obviously you don't want to have too many meetings. Otherwise people are just going to be like, okay, dude, there's yeah, deck of you, you know, and that's what that, I feel like we had that when we started doing the EOS path. I feel like I've said EOS so many times in this podcast, but I just I shameless really, plug. I really do believe that it is one of the best. Like for people that don't ha want to like start from scratch rebuilding systems, like just look up EOS and yep. look into it because they have so many tools that will help you like just slingshot you ahead without you know having to spend a bunch of time working on creating these different systems, but they have uh, like rocks and then they've got weekly meetings and then they've got quarterly meetings and then different things like that. But we started doing that with, we kind of had a L10 meeting it's called. So kind of the management team. And then 
Uh, we also had like foreman meetings with the foreman in the field. So management, people, project managers, sales, office admin, and then also the people in the field, you know, what do they need to get the stuff done? Two of those, uh, or one of those a week, one for each group of people. And honestly, at the start, we kind of got some pushback from people like, you know, we're just wasting time here and blah, blah, blah. But I think it was a good area for people to voice their opinions and concerns like, hey, we haven't, you know, the projects haven't had this ready or um, you guys haven't been doing this or whatever the case is. But people can feel like they've been heard and it helps everybody perform at a higher level. And it feels like for the employee, it, it gives them a chance to voice concerns of issues they've been seeing. And then you can solve them before it becomes an issue uh, or a bigger issue or um, the employee having an animosity towards the company. Because that's, I feel like the lack of communication is where you see, you know, the guys out in the field are like, oh, he's just a, you know, here comes the project manager sitting in the truck. <laughs> he cracks the window because it's raining and, you know, yells something and then rolls the window back up. And you get this like office versus field, you know, guys. Back, yeah, yeah. Yep. Animosity between each other. But it's really, I just think because there's a lack of communication and that creates an issue and then they don't talk about an issue and then it just, builds up. Yeah. And I think as you introduce these systems and processes and, you know, you add weekly or quarterly meetings and one-on-ones, you know, people honestly, no one, or I would say as humans, we don't really necessarily like change. Um, no. So change is hard <laughs> for people to see. And so I think when you start making those changes, it's important that you communicate why you're making those changes and why we're putting these things in place. And don't let that be something that stops you from implementing new systems and new processes and putting out core values and a purpose statement of why you're doing business. Don't be afraid to just get started in that. And people either are going to jump on the, the change bandwagon or they're not. And you'll see clearly if they're a good fit for your business and uh, ultimately the growth of, you know, where you're trying to go. And that's just to speak to the change a little bit. I think there's you hear a lot of people, and I, I was kind of guilty. I was bad of, at this last year where we started to, with setting our core values and everything else, um, setting these meetings and just getting feedback from people. I wanted to hear what people were thinking. You know, do you like this? What do you think? Um, mainly our management side, you know, what should our core value? We all worked on it together. What are the core values of the company? The five of us or whatever it was. Um, honestly, I think one of the issues with that is at the beginning, if you're in the beginning stages, I would say, you know, that... Uh, zero to $10 million mark, the company is your vision. It's not everybody else's vision. Come up with like you as the owner, or if there's multiple owners or partners, come you to focus on coming up with the core values, the purpose, everything else, and then set these things in place and agree on them 100% and then introduce it to the company. Yep. Take feedback from them. But at the end of the day, like this is your company and it's your goals and your, you know, everything. I think it's important to stick true to all of that. And if, hey, we're doing these Monday morning meetings, we're doing them. I don't care what you think as the foreman. And to an extent, like if you don't think it's beneficial because you're crabby Monday morning and whatever, like I don't care. It's important that we're all on the same page Monday morning or whatever day it is. And we all know what's going on and we start the week right. So we took a lot of feedback from people and we kind of moved things around and kind of to help fit what everyone else wanted to do. And honestly, to an extent, I think that kind of hurt us more than it helped because it wasn't aligned with what I wanted to do. And it was like, I don't see, you know, yeah, it's easier to have them meeting Tuesday morning because everyone's in a little bit better mood because it's Tuesday, it seems like, but that doesn't fit what the company should be doing because what happens Monday then? No one's on the same page as bad communication. So even though it's more difficult, stay disciplined in doing what you know or you feel is going to be right for the company. Yeah, and those those values and those purposes that you have, um, you need to drive your business forward with that 
and just that. I mean, kind of like what Carson was saying about, you know, maybe letting loose on some things and just kind of being a little more relaxed about it and not being as um, persistent about, you know, hiring and working by your core values. Um, you need to ultimately drive everything around that and stand firm in that. You got to hold true to your core values and stick to what you say you're going to do. That's, I think that's extremely important. We, like I said, saw, we, and it was weird because the biggest complaint we've had from employees is lack of communication. So we started doing the weekly meetings with the foreman. And then I would see people complain, like, why are we doing this? Because, I mean, you have to kind of do it either the morning before work gets started or after work on a day. So it's kind of both times that some people don't necessarily want to be there because you're, you know, five o'clock after work or it's seven o'clock, you know, before work or whatever the situation is. And we kind of got some pushback on that too. And that's where I was like, okay, so you're here telling me it was bad communication, but then you're also not wanting to show up for the group meeting with everybody to talk about the week, the plan, what's going on. Hey, this is broken. We need to get this fixed and just have those conversations. So I think you're going to, if you're a company that has, you know, I would say more than five people in it and you start doing this, you're going to start to kind of immediately identify some people that either are slacking or falling behind and your core values and discipline and what they should be doing. And maybe it's a person that's not good fit for the company and you need to find someone to replace them. Um, and honestly, that's what happened with you. We, we just saw it immediately identified some of the players that probably shouldn't be here. B players. B players. <laughs> so They're not 18 players. Yeah, and another great thing about bringing people on is and, you know, trying to grow your team and, and keep them on board and keep them on the vision is like, you got to realize too that it's not all about giving them a paycheck. It's more than that. It's more about creating an experience for them and an environment for them to grow as individuals uh, personally, professionally. And you need to know that it's, they're not just driven by money. They actually care about their personal lives. So you should put in some form of effort to relate to them and try to um, show interest in their life, not just here's your money. Thanks for coming to work. And that's to use an analogy since you had one earlier on that. Yeah. Um, Bring it on. When you go to Starbucks and you pay $47 for a cup of coffee and they put your name on it and they call it out and you're- It's only 43. Special. Oh, well, <laughs> I must be going to a different Starbucks then. <laughs> um, it creates an experience for you and that's why they've been so successful because the whole experience of going in there, it smells good, it's warm, the music and everyone, you know, well, I don't even know. I haven't even been yada, to yada, Starbucks yada, in the yada, lab. Yada, yeah. But anyways, it creates an experience. And to speak to that too, we've had a lot of people that have, we just hired a guy the other day that took a $2 an hour temporary pay cut to come work for us. I said, Hey, he actually worked for us years ago, left and then came back because he didn't like working at where he left to go to. And I said, Hey, you're going to take a $2 an hour pay cut, prove that you're wanting to be here and do this because he was you know, immature a few years ago. And I'm sure if he's listening, he knows who he is. <laughs> <laughs> And he kind of left not on the best terms, just kind of ended up walking away and leaving. And it wasn't like a great way to do that, but was a good kid, good at what he does and um, always has a good attitude. So I was like, well, we'll give you a second chance, but because of how you left, you're going to take a pay cut. You have to prove yourself. You have to earn the trust back of us and everyone else here, quite frankly, because when you left like that in the middle of snow season, it screwed a lot of people because now we are all picking up after you to like help do your job. So earn the trust back of everybody, prove yourself. And he was happy with that and took a $2 an hour pay cut to do it. So 
to your point, it's not always about the money. We've had that happen multiple times, um, not in that exact case, but where people will leave where they're at because they're just not happy. Take a pay cut to come work here. And, you know, usually we tell them it's prove yourself. You know, I see that you're worth this, but you got to prove yourself. And I think that's a good, don't be afraid to offer people less money than what they're making currently with the, hey, we'll bump you back up but show that you're like willing. Cause if someone's going to take a $2 an hour pay cut for two weeks to show that they're willing to do it, I feel like they've got a bigger vision for themselves. It's, yeah. They're not showing right. up just for the page. I mean, it's kind of a test at that point. And I don't, I don't know what your opinion on that Gavin is, but I feel like that's a good way to like, just see like, yeah, you know, are you willing to put in the work to do it? Cause we'll give you, you know, will you go trust us to give you a, you know, a raise in a couple of weeks and do that. And, right. But you as the owner then have to stick true to what you said you're going to do as well. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people want to leave where they're working or they get, you know, curious about trying something else is because they, where they're working is not working for them. They, they, they don't have a clear vision on what, what their role is, where they're going. The business leader just seems to not give a crap about what their life looks like. And, um, and ultimately they don't have any purpose or values behind what their work is. And they don't have a, a roadmap of the systems and processes that they need to do, um, to help them be effective in their, in their role. So they just start getting curious about, Oh, this looks kind of nice over here. Maybe I should go check them out. And I think if, if you do have these things that that can be a great way to attract people to your organization and help ultimately help you build your team up and help your team grow. That, yeah, just showing that you're as a company trying every single day to make something better for the employees, whether that's, um, I know we were talking about it the other day was Weller Brothers, a landscaping company in the Midwest, has this Foreman Fast Track program, which I think is super cool because it just lays out a roadmap, to your GPS analogy, <laughs> of how to go from never being in landscaping to becoming a foreman in a couple of years or whatever it is, which it just right away gives you something to work towards and a goal, and it sets an expectation. Hey, it's going to take a couple of years. It's going to take this, this, and this, and you have to learn this. But then once you, once you get there, you're going to have this, this, and this. Yeah, so. very clear, very laid out. And that's what's going to lead for great growth for individuals that join your team. And some great things that we've done, um, not aside from paying our guys, is just do little things for them, whether it's showing up with coffee or whether it's um, grilling out every Friday or um, some other benefits like We've helped pay for gym memberships. Uh, Flame and Fridays. Past. Yep. Flame and Fridays for those of you that follow along on Instagram at MN underscore Lifescaper. Um, but yeah, every, every Friday we, we usually are grilling out for our guys and uh, just a little thing to say thank you for all the hard work they put in for the week and something they, they can appreciate, and especially on these cooler days, um, a nice grilled burger or steak or kebabs. Uh, they're out there that with that A5 appreciate. Wagyu every single Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the beef tenderloin. Yeah. No, but it's it's not just about money, guys. And it's important that you, as you build the team up, that you share your vision and you help them see themselves in your vision and in that vision um, and, and really create a space for them to excel and grow. And this isn't just us I mean, this is what we've learned from experiences, but if you guys Google this and look this up, like statistics show that more people leave their job because they just don't feel like they're going to get anywhere there than anywhere else. Yeah. And even people will leave somewhere because it's kind of like what Carson was saying, because they're, they may be making more money here, but 
they're not happy and they're going to come work for somebody that's got it going on that is they're, maybe yeah, they're going to make a little bit less. Not but, excited to come to work. It yep. just, I mean, you, I'm sure everyone here has either had that job or had those days where you're like, I really don't want to do this today. Imagine if that was every single day. I mean, yeah, I would take a $3 an hour pay cut to go work somewhere else just because I'm in a good environment and happy. And guarantee they're going to be more productive when they're at work because they're happy to be there. Oh yeah, for sure. And I've seen that firsthand is like, we've done things for our guys and we have put a lot of trust in them to really grow and be leaders. And so when we do ask them to do things that aren't ideal or they're not, you know, it's not going to be fun, but guess what? They are willing because they know that the work needs to get done and they're happy doing it. And honestly, we, we just, on that last job we were at, we had a client come out and be like, why are you guys always smiling? <laughs> why are you guys so happy to be doing what you're doing? I'm like, we just have created that environment for our team and it's been great. And we have fun doing what we're doing and we're super lucky to, to have the guys that we have. And I would say building that environment, building that culture of, of just, you know, keeping things a little bit lighter. It's, it's just work at the end of the day, our lives are more important. So, um, never, never pushing too hard and always trying to keep things as light as possible, even through, um, some of the hard, harder stuff. It's, it truly is a choice that as a leader you make to create that culture, that environment within your company. It's not, you look at companies that people are excited, like in your case, in my case, people are happy to be here. They're having fun throughout the day. It's because we've done things to make it that way. It's not just doesn't naturally happen. I mean, maybe it does. I don't yeah. know, but I haven't experienced that. If you don't try, it's not going to happen. Right. You have to put in that effort. You have to do that uh, to make it a good environment. And people and I, are more willing like to do stuff. If you, like oh, if yeah. you've been giving to them, giving to them and people There's, are just naturally more willing to do something for you, even if it's seems like it's going to be a hard time or it's not going to be enjoyable. They're willing to go through think, that because yeah, of the environment you created. If you're the business owner listening to this, think about a client who's just been a total dick to you the entire project, and then they ask you to do something extra at the end of it. Like, no, yeah, to hell with you. <laughs> but if they're nice, they're bringing the guys snacks the whole project, and they're just been absolutely wonderful. And then they ask for a little bit of something extra at the end. I mean, you're probably kind of like, eh, yeah, yeah, sure, like, <laughs> want to make you happy, and like, yeah, it's the same thing with uh, your employees, your team members. Um, yeah. And another thing too, is like when you're building out your team and say you're just starting out and you're looking to hire your first guy or your first gal, um, it's important that you understand as a leader and as an owner that you are not going to be the best at everything that's in front of you. You're not going to be the best salesman. You're not going to be the best marketer. You're not going to be the best, uh, field operator. You're not going to be the best accountant. So you need to know that when you start thinking about growing and you start thinking about adding people on, you need to have that understanding that you're probably not the best at everything that you have um, on your plate. So thinking about how can I get help and how can I have people um, that are good at these things help me out so that we can ultimately grow together. And so having that expectation and clarity starting out is huge. And that's, I think, being very <clears throat> self-aware of what you're not good at and what you are good at is probably the first step to thinking about hiring people. What position do you want to hire for? Pick what's you're worst at or you don't like doing and find somebody. Or if you're looking, some people might be thinking about bringing on a business partner. If you're going to bring on a business partner, think about, you know, what am I not good at that somebody else would be a good attribute to add to the team here that can do what I'm not good at? For me, I'm pretty good at sales, pretty good at talking to people. 
not so good at the organizational side, not so good at time management, um, probably need somebody that's more of a type A personality to keep everything in check. So that's important to like, when we're hiring for office admin, stuff like that, I'm looking for people that are very organized, um, can help keep me in line sometimes with, hey, you know, you got to get this and this done and keep things very regiment and organized. Structured. Yeah, structured. Yeah. So hire for, it, when it, especially when bringing in high level leaders, partners, things like that um, into your company, find someone that's kind of an opposite personality than you almost. To an extent. Yeah. Opposites uh, attract. <laughs> they do. And and definitely can help one another for sure. I, I definitely would agree with that. And um, a good point to that is like you kind of what Carson was saying about understanding what you're good at, understanding what the other person's good at and helping them. If it's an employee, helping them get in the right place and understanding, you know, okay, they're really good and they're skillful at this. Okay. I'm going to put them over here because this is where they're going to thrive and this is where they're going to succeed. How do you identify that? You got to watch them. Just, and really, you got to really understand. Is there a way to identify that in the would, interview process? Like, I mean, when you're talking with them is, I'm asking because I feel like that's something I'm not good at is identifying like, especially in the interview process, like what are you good at? And I mean, you can have these conversations with people and talk to them. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, people in the interview are going to be different than how they actually perform. Just nine times out of 10, I mean, you're putting on your best face in the interview. Oh yeah, for sure. I would agree so. with that. But I think... I would say just kind of reading them, who they are as a person. I'm obviously that's hard to do. Um, I'm not good at that. I feel like I've done a pretty good job of, of, of that, of just kind of understanding people and what they're thinking. Um, but if you can see like confidence in them and see that they're a go-getter and willing to try new things. And um, I feel like you can kind of naturally tell if someone's a leader or, or if they're not um, through the interview process, just based on what they're telling you. Listen to their words. You got to really dial into what they're saying. And I think, yeah, I mean, listen to what they're saying. I think it's going to be, for me, it's hard in the interview process. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. I've, and I think, I don't know if it was you guys telling this the other day, but I feel like women are inherently better at reading people than guys are. And I don't know why, but every woman I've met, um, or a few of my business partners have, you know, girlfriend or uh, wife or whatever. And, they just like every time I've talked to them about people we've hired or if they've been on the site, they'd kind of give you like a feedback and like they've identified something that I didn't see. And I'm like, yeah, that is right. Like you're, that's an accurate depiction of like that. Yeah. So I, I think for us, it's honestly more of go through the interview process. Like you're a good fit or seem like a good fit. And it's really just that two week period of, is this going to work? Cause I think that's where it's really going to show is a two week period. Um, you know, even honestly, it's like the week after the two week period. Cause most people get through the two weeks. Like, ah, I've made it. <laughs> yeah. so, woo, that was tough. Now I can start showing up late, but I think just watching them closely, working with them, seeing how they interact with everyone else on the team and getting feedback from other people on the team as well. You know, Hey, how was this person? That's going to identify stuff right away. I've talked to other business owners and friends that they'll bring somebody on and thought it was a good hire. And a couple weeks in, they're like, yeah, this is not working. The other team members are, Hey, I don't want, you know, you're supposed to go with this guy for the day to go do this project. And I'm like, Oh, really? <laughs> just, I'd rather just do it alone. Right. You know, that's a clear identifier. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not a good fit. So, yeah. But well, then it's time to have those conversations with them. Why is that, you know, is it something that can be addressed or is that just what their personality is? And maybe they're not the right fit for your company. Yeah. I know we've been kind of barking at uh, business owners and leaders. Um, but 
even for the people that listen to us, um, you can still be a great asset to helping your team grow and helping um, your organization grow because you can be an example for others and you can actually be a leader within someone else's business. And I don't think that people understand that enough and um, you can take charge and it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing once you do that, what kind of growth you can see um, just because the owner or the leaders are going to see that difference in you and see that, boy, this, this person, this individual is really helping pick up some slack and um, they're going to be more willing to give you that raise or put you in that new position because they're seeing leadership qualities in you that ultimately is going to help the, the whole team grow. And so don't be afraid to be a leader within your, within your team that um, you, even if it's, like I said, for working for somebody else, um, it's important that you be the example for others um, to help them grow as individuals and as professionals. Yeah. I, th- I think if you're working for somebody else and you know, you see them and what they've accomplished, if they're a good leader and they've been pushing and growing the company and they've been doing it, you know, if it's a smaller company, like probably a lot of you guys listening are, and they've been doing a really good job at growing that by themselves. If you step up to the plate and you're an aligned leader with them and you're helping take off, you know, their plate, what they've been doing to free up their time to go sell more and you're managing the cruise more or whatever the situation might be. Just imagine, I mean, it's like pouring fuel on a fire, having two people now doing what just one person was doing before and splitting up that work and you can take on much more. It's going to help grow the company. And if you have a good leader, at the company and you are also going to work into becoming a good leader at the company, you know, the owner of the company hopefully sees that. And if they're a good leader, they will see that and they'll reward you for it accordingly. So, yeah, it's kind of like that uh, analogy of one plus one equals four. You know, there's two together is, that, is, is that more powerful. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just an example of like how two people working together can create more than just one person working alone. And so, uh-huh. well, just the momentum. Cause I know as a, if you're a, solo owner and you've been doing that, you just started doing this and you've been doing it for a few years and you're by yourself, it can get lonely and you feel like, oh, this like kind of sucks. And then someone else steps up to the plate and starts doing stuff and you're like, oh, I got a little more time. Holy crap. Like this is awesome. And it makes yeah. you more excited to go sell more. And you'd feel like, okay, my team's capable of doing this. So when you're at that sales meeting, if that's your role as sales and for me anyways, it's, I'm super confident because I'm like, oh yeah, like we're going to get in here, get this done. It's going to be a great project for you. Everything's going to go wonderful because I have the confidence in my team. Right. Yeah. And another thing to think about too is like, if you're just kind of a solo uh, operator and you're looking to add people and you're scared about that and boy, that's a big thing to take on. Think about how many things you're doing right now as a solar op- solo operator and think about it in a time perspective way of okay, if I bring on these people and I can put them in place to take over this and this and this, okay, I'm going to buy, essentially I'm going to buy this much time back, buying this time back so that I can use that time to be really effective over here in this area that I'm really good at to help develop the business even further. So really have that expectation, understanding that you're not just spending money. It's really a, an investment into helping back, buy back your time so that you can help develop the business even greater. What's when you've hired people, Gavin, say like, you know, a month or two goes by, whatever it is, what's the biggest indicator that they're not a good fit at your company that you've seen? What I've seen is, um, honestly, our team has came to me and oh, how like, they react. Oh, yeah. 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 Like this, seriously, you hired this guy? 
<laughs> Honestly, like last year we, we went through that. We had, we hired a guy and, um, everyone else on our team had clear understanding of, you know, how we operate, how we run things. And we hired this guy and I thought, well, give him a shot. And, um, he just was kind of a slacker, slow moving, didn't really, you know, put in the hard work like all the other guys did. And so ultimately our team came to me and was like, yeah, what, what's going on? We cannot be having this B player on our A team. So I think what really is as good about having, you know, some, some values and purpose in place is that our team and our leaders that are in the field are so uh, driven by, you know, what we're trying to accomplish that they came to me and were like, Hey, this does not fit what we're, what's going on. So ended up letting that individual go. And, um, so that's been a great thing I think is having those right people in place so that they I, can kind of weed out the, the bad. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You can, if, I mean, if, if you would have hired that same person and everyone in the field or, you know, whoever they were working with at the time was all B players. Right. Would have been nothing. Uh, odds are, yeah. yeah, nobody would have said anything. It would have just been status nothing new. quo. Yep. And that's, we've certainly seen that same issue. And actually we hired a guy last year, honestly, the same situation. We had two, one guy was leaving, but then another guy, um, he actually ended up leaving early because of the person we hired. Um, he was planning to leave like a month and a half out because he was just moving to a different state. Then we had another guy that was there. Um, they were both kind of friends, but he wasn't ever planning on leaving, but they both actually quit around the same time. The other guy left early because he's just like, I can't deal with this guy. Um, and, you know, shame on me, but I decided to ignore some of those immediate indicators and kept the guy around for the rest of the year. And this is probably one of my biggest flaws when it comes to hiring and delegating is I'm like the eternal optimist of I see so much potential in people and what they could be. But at the end of the day, some people just don't want to be that and they're not willing to put in the work to become the best version of themselves. And I think I certainly have to do a better job of identifying that when someone just doesn't care to take it to the next level. And we ended up putting this guy into it, I'd say a pretty high up position. And we kind of hired him from the outside and then moved him into like an operations manager. Um, and there was a lot of fake it till you make it stuff. Behind so, this guy? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, some of the people saw it right away. And there's just certain things and indicators that you know, I was hopeful that it would change and it just didn't end up changing. And he ended up leaving on his own and it worked out for the best, I think, in everyone's interest because um, I think he's in a much better spot now. Uh, I think he started his own company and doing that. Um, so hopefully that's going well. But yeah, what listen. Are your, what listen are your thoughts you. on um, hiring someone more skillful than you? Well, how do I'm you, pretty how much do you go the best. <laughs> I'm the I, best there is. <laughs> I wake up in the morning and piss excellence. Um, Ricky Bobby. Yeah. No, honestly, and in this industry that we're in, the green industry, landscaping, the barrier to entry into starting a business is so low. Hiring somebody that's better than you is extremely difficult, in my opinion, because they just start their own company. Oh. But if I could, in a heartbeat, I would do it. I would, for the hours that um, Colton and I work, we're probably some of the lower paid employees at the company when you really think about it um, and the amount of time we put in and just sacrifice and everything. Funny how I, that works. I don't have, yeah. I mean, I have maybe money's going back into the equipment and it's equity and you know right, building yeah. up your net worth, but I have zero issue. I would love to pay somebody four times what I make and they just be an absolute all-star and can take over so many things. Like I would love that. I just haven't found the right person to do it yet. Yeah, I think 
I've I've put that I put a little poll over on Instagram uh, a couple weeks back about kind of the green industry and business owners um, of landscape or lawn maintenance companies kind of seeing what the biggest hurdle they face in their business and it's ultimately finding people. And I yeah, think what was didn't you have like two options on there? What was the other option? No, I was or, I was just a blank option. They could type in what what oh, the biggest hurdle was and, and it was finding people and leads you and said, sales. driving leads. Yeah. So um, there's kind of a testament of how hard it is to ultimately build a team. And so it's kind of the things that we walk through today, I think are great tactics and um, strategic ways to kind of help, help bridge that gap of helping to build a team and really understanding that you need to put these things in place and you need to ultimately be working on yourself to improve yourself personally, physically, mentally. Um, don't be afraid to take time to help yourself, um, and take time away from your business so that you can be a, a good leader in your business. Yeah, I think people got to look at it as business owners in the trades in general have to look at it as, I feel like we're kind of in a battle right now as blue collar workers against white collar for a workforce. So many people have got this idea, especially after COVID of like, oh my God, I can just work from home and never leave and sit in my pajamas all day on the computer and sign me up do next to nothing as far as I'm concerned. And Honestly. I mean, when you think about it. People are just milking businesses for that's what, uh, a salary. If you look at um, somebody that's just blowing up on Instagram right now is Justin Waller. And I feel like he's putting a lot of money behind his social media. But he owns a construction company in Missouri or just, I don't know, Louisiana or something like that. They do um, metal, like commercial buildings or whatever, like metal framing, steel framing. But he talks about uh, in like 20 years, people are going to be talking about like, hey, YouTubers are going to be talking like, hey, what's the hack to making money? And he goes, well, it's going to be become a plumber, become an electrician. Because when you think about it, like every seven people that retire, the boomers, I'll call them, <laughs> that <laughs> retire, or people that, you know, every seven people to leave this, the trades, there's one person coming in to replace them. And it's simple wow. supply and demand at that point. I mean, this industry is probably going to get a lot harder before it gets easier but the prices are going to go up. Yep. You're going to be able to make more money. There's going to be more opportunity because there's less people here doing it. I mean, think about if you go on one of the local companies, Calhoun companies here, um, business like uh, brokers, you go on there. I mean, there is so many like electricians, plumbers, HVAC, just all kinds of trades, businesses that are for sale. And you look at it, it's like, who is going to buy these? It's either going to be like conglomerates of you know funds coming in to buy these. But I think that's, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, but there's a lot of opportunity for people to just go buy a business and take over a business if they wanted to. Yeah, for sure. And I think another point I wanted to make too about as you're trying to keep people on, on your team is um, especially for our industry and guys like us is that we need to have um, the right equipment. I mean, equipment is huge for us, but as far as efficiency goes, as far as saving their um, bodies, I mean, it's pretty a labor intensive industry that we're in. And so if we can invest in a new technology, new equipment to keep the guys happy, keep them working um, longer hours so that they're not worn out and they come to work happy because they are able to operate more equipment, that is a huge thing that has been um, great for us too. And I think, yeah, morale is just a huge, I mean, if they're out there with crappy tools and equipment and nothing's Stuff's working broken, right, yeah. it just demoralizes everybody. So yeah. I think and back to like setting expectations, once you have that equipment, set the expectation of what, why do we this, have this? Why do we yeah. have this? What does it cost and how do we maintain it? Right. And it doesn't just get 
tossed in the, the yeah, it's $1, not a hundred dollar chop saw gets tossed <laughs> in the back of the pickup truck and then every yeah. stop sign through town is back and forth back and forth i've seen that before and it's disheartening so. yeah yeah that's a great point is like that's something i guess i probably could have done better like we have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment and these guys i guess you know it's good that we've kind of created leaders in our business so that they do care but um i think i could have done a better job of setting the expectations that hey I'm investing in this stuff right here so that our lives can be easier and so that your life can be easier and you don't have to work as hard physically um, and hopefully make your life a little bit uh, more blissful because you're coming to work and you're not beating the hell out of your body with a shovel. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. So Could have had the Porsche, but bought the dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. But but yeah, I'd say overall, I think building a team is just one of those biggest, one of the biggest challenges and hurdles in business and trying to get the right people on board and putting them in the right seat is, is really a challenge. So hopefully that you guys gain some, some perspective and some, some good ways to help your business and your team grow today. And, um, Carson, do you have anything that maybe we, we left out that you want to add or share with our audience here? I'm sure there's a lot we left out, but I think you know, we're still learning as we do this and it's by no means the end all be all answer of some of our suggestions. Um, we still have a lot to work on. I know I have a lot to work on when it comes oh, yeah. to building teams and Always. people. It's the, like you said, it's the hardest part. I mean, if you could, if it was just easy to build a team, you could scale a business, you know, overnight, Tomorrow. but yep. it's not, it's the hardest part. And it's what every large company runs on. You'd have to have good people and good systems and structure in place to do that. That's it folks. Got to build structure, got to build core values and purpose and really be a good leader that continues to work on themselves and really set and sell that big vision to your to your team so that they can continue to see themselves in that organization and growing personally and professionally throughout their entire lives with you. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to the Six Figure Exit. Make sure you check back next week where we talk about accepting risk and failure. That's going to be a good one. Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next time.